Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the 568th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you America's perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team and other fabulous moments. Chat room is open. You can talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. And as we are ready to go and discuss the production work and the overall whether it was great or it was terrible, it was good, or, or it was fugly, the production job of how Fox Sports covered this past FIFA World Cup that was held in the tiny country of Qatar in the Middle East. Joining me to discuss his findings, as well as having an open discussion about this, of course, from World Soccer Talk, Carter Krishnire. And let me just say, Kardik, if I can, before we do get underway... Um, you've been uh, basically all over the place uh, talking about the World Cup, talking about Grant Wall, all major international and local news outlets, national, of course, uh, News Now, uh, CNN, MSNBC, uh, even local NBC, ABC, CBS affiliates. Um, you know, it, it's really amazing where we are as a country now where this sport is now being given the attention nationally, not just the great players that we have watched throughout the years, whether it be through linear television, streaming, uh, talking about them on the non-typical sports channels or at least sports radio talk uh, stations, but uh, it's really a pleasure and a pleasant thing to finally see this sport finally getting the respect that it deserves within our home soil. And I don't know if we lost Cardiff there for a moment. I thought we had him on. Let's try that again. Yeah, Cardiff, are you there? Now. I hear you now. Yes, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you caught my question, but go ahead. Yeah, yes, yeah, I did. So, yeah, it's great to see the mainstream media coverage uh, for for the sport, uh, unlike the, the sort of mainstream penetration we've ever had before, casual sports fans, people, celebrities from other walks of life, uh, all uh, being very, very attentive to the World Cup, talking about it, openly talking about it, not feeling the fear of potential ridicule from, from baseball fans or football fans or whatever else. Uh, that's been fantastic to watch. The other aspect of this, I think, has been um, the mainstream acceptance of soccer um, as a um, as really kind of a, an important athletic pursuit. I mean, for years we were hearing the American media how uh, you were less of an athlete if you played soccer, which is crazy, actually. I mean, I think, if anything, you know, it requires a degree of athleticism that maybe some other sports, not all other sports, but some other sports don't require. And we we we've we've had those sorts of uh those sorts of misconceptions and the things that that fueled uh soccer skepticism in our society kind of uh wither away so it's been really good to to watch and and uh fantastic for the sport as we grow it in the united states it was a, it was a really important month for that it really really has been and the one Exciting thing that I know we can't wait for will be when the next World Cup does come uh, to the United States being shared with our neighbors to the north in Canada and our neighbors to the south in Mexico. And I can't wait till we get there another four years uh, coming and hopefully uh, maybe it's our turn to finally host uh, and hoist that little golden trophy. Um, obviously, Cardick, I think the matches on the pitch were absolutely fantastic. We had maybe a few duds here and there when it came to uh, not enough goals being scored in some of the matches. But, you know, we can definitely say that the England-USA match, nil-nil draw, but it was very exciting to watch 
from our perspective because the U.S. were attacking, and even though they didn't really put the ball in the back of the net, they had solid opportunities to do so. Um, I just think on the pitch, the games were just as exciting as you think and you thought it would be in every single World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think, and I, and I think that there was a certain value, honestly, Daniel, to this World Cup being played when it was played in the middle of winter um, rather than, um, rather than the, the, the classic summer World Cup because I think um, the, the climate lent itself. Although I, I guess we've had Southern Hemisphere World Cups that are summer in the Northern Hemisphere, but they're in like South Africa, uh, parts of Brazil. Uh, it, it, it was, uh, it, you could say the same thing. But um, I think the, this season and the temperatures lent itself to more attacking and open football. I mean, I just think about some of the previous tournaments, France 98, it was really hot that summer in France. And uh, it, it was very kind of negative football, Italy 90. Um, just because it's the end of a European season, club season, where most of the elite players play, and you had a situation in that in, in those tournaments where end of the season and the temperatures were really hot. So I think we've had kind of two uh, more moderate weather events with Russia 2018 and then uh, uh, 2022 World Cup here in, uh, in Qatar. Uh, and uh, uh, it's lent itself to good football, which has been good for the American viewer. Uh, and I think uh, also – just general interest in, in, in the sport has risen. I mean, I, even the Euro final, remember, uh, uh, two years ago, from actually a year and a half ago, right? Euros were delayed by a year uh, because of COVID. Uh, that Euro final had an extraordinary rating number on ESPN uh, for, for a cable broadcast, uh, close to 10 million viewers, which was really uh, uh, unexpected. But I think, I think everything is catching on, and there's more sophistication and understanding about the game now so that we don't get the, the kind of comments we used to get, oh, the dreaded scoreless draw, right, the nil-nil draw. Um, now, now people kind of can see a mask that's nil-nil, like that U.S.-England game, and appreciate it. Absolutely. And I think now things are starting to come around where um, Americans are now loving the sport. And, look, like we always tell everybody, look, we understand that the best leagues are in Europe some of the best players do also come from Europe and from South America, even what goes on with Mexico as well. But don't discount your local league in MLS and don't discount your other local leagues that are in the professional levels like United Soccer Leagues, like NISA, like even NPSL. Uh, go and support the game, support the American players, not just the players that play abroad like Christian Pulisic at Chelsea like Gio Reyna at Dortmund or even you know other players that are playing over in Scotland like Tillman does and Sands does at Rangers uh, Weston McKinney currently in Juventus um, even Josh Sargent at Norwich Haji Wright at the moment in Turkey uh, which be a move for him at Crystal Palace we'll find out or as a Q, maybe Queen's Park Rangers we'll find out if he does get transferred this upcoming winter window. But support the game in this country and support it no matter what, no matter where they play, domestically or abroad. You support the game in this country. You support our players no matter where they play. Go and support them, and we'll see this national team become bigger and better, and it should be a fun thing to see. Now, we really have to get to, and let's be honest, Kardik, let's get to the, the broadcasting production work of Fox Sports. And before we even get to the crux of it, you know as well as I do, and you know how much I believe that Fox Sports production work has really failed the sport. And it's, it's just... It's just disheartening to see how Fox Sports has really found ways to not be at the level you would like to think they should be at. This is a major broadcasting company for not just, you know, for news, but for sports. And they have major contracts with the majority of college sports with college football, college basketball, 
and the different collegiate conferences, but they also have big-time uh, broadcast deals with the NFL and with Major League Baseball. And even though they are going to be broadcasting the next World Cup in 2026, it's just really, really disheartening to me that they have mishandled and basically misused their soccer properties when broadcasting this sport domestically as well as abroad. How did you see this World Cup production uh, job by Fox Sports? Uh, did you love it? Did you hate it? Or were you indifferent? Uh, they uh, they have a lot of sloppiness in their production. So we can quibble about commentators and commentary. Maybe we'll get into that uh, in, in, uh, shortly in the show. But the production value, the production level of Fox is, is really poor compared to the other major U.S. media networks. Um, it's, it's really kind of shockingly poor. They make these production mistakes. They even had mistakes in terms of getting back to games in, in a timely fashion, putting the wrong graphics up. I think actually they at one point they put put a graphic uh, a graphic up that uh, that had the wrong matchups in the round of sixteen. Um, these are the there's there's a certain sloppiness and, and and feeling of cheapness to a lot of what Fox does. So unfortunately, you know, this is kind of uh, I, I wouldn't say it's it's, it's uh, completely unexpected uh, what we get from Fox sometimes in in, in this uh, in this arena. Sadly. Yeah, I agree with you, Kardik. I mean, I mean, I don't have to go back to when they were covering the German Bundesliga on Fox Sports 1. They started off with the professional desk with Ian Joy, uh, Jovan Karofsky, Eric Winalda. Uh, you know, they, they started off their coverage at the desk um, in the main studio. I thought it was, uh, you know, great to see until they slowly went to the fake fireplace set sitting on chairs and basically crouching forward to I don't know what they were doing wearing German lederhosen and having the uh, Canadian uh, TSN duo when they brought them over Jay and Dan brought them over to do their uh, uh, nightly weekly sports highlight show kind of like challenging sports center and for TSPN and it was just absolutely dreadful, and it was terrible. And the the lack of respect I felt to the Bundesliga, and as well as the sport, just really was a nauseating. It, it was just absolutely terrible to see them just I don't know. I, I just 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 lowered the standards of what a proper soccer broadcast should be. Yeah, it was disgusting. I remember that. I, I, I think they, they, then, then eventually they dropped the studio completely and just kind of showed uh, showed uh, games. Uh, 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 they just flipped the switch and showed the production from Germany with no pregame and postgame show at the very end. After they had lost the rights for to uh, to ESPN and, and had a, another uh, uh, two thirds of a season to go through, so uh, that was. Uh, I, I, th th this is the thing. The Fox is very uneven in their production. Sometimes they go all out on production. The Bundesliga was a great example. They, they would be weekends that they would have, you know, a full studio preview show, halftime, uh, very serious. Other weekends they wouldn't have a, a pregame or postgame show. Other weekends they would have this uh, comical thing with, with the labor hoosens uh, and everything, as you mentioned. Uh, it was crazy. There was no consistency to it. Whereas, you, you know, you may say it's too formulaic, but ESPN, um, although ESPN has an edginess, too, uh, with their ESPN FC crew, but they, they, there is a clear, consistent style associated with ESPN's coverage of this sport. There really is. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't think it's a lack of funds, Cardick, because the truth of the matter is this. I mean, I know Fox Sports has outlets in South America, uh, in Mexico, even in Australia. But I, I don't know where they have international outlets when it comes to Europe or maybe even in Africa or in Asia. And 
With ESPN, I mean, they're all over the map. They're all over the world. I I, I just don't Fox, understand. Fox had a lot of uh, Fox had a lot of that stuff. Like a lot of a lot of the properties that ESPN or Disney has acquired uh, came directly from their purchase of 20, 21st Century Fox uh, assets. So uh, actually. The, the sports uh, broadcaster in India, which now is owned by ESPN, was Fox until 2018, was owned by Fox until 2018. Uh, Singapore, same thing. Uh, ESPN has had stuff in that part of the world, but Fox was actually stronger in that part of the world. Latin America, Fox was very strong until the asset sale. In fact, Fox Brazil, uh, Fox uh, Latin America was very, very uh, – was, was com- competitive with ESPN. Uh, maybe ESPN was slightly ahead down there, but, e- but ESPN bought them out of the market completely. So now, yeah, now they're very uh, U.S., Australia, U.K. centric. They don't, they don't really have the bureaus anywhere else anymore. But at one time they did, actually. So I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't want to jump in, but I, I did want to point that out to the listeners. No, that's quite all right because, I mean, look, I, I mean, when you got the ESPN Netherlands match, you know, obviously you have Sebastian Salazar and Hercules Gomez as a football Americas. Speaking with the Dutch reporter of ESPN Netherlands, and uh, you know where where is that analyst for Fox Sports to not just to preview the match, but to be with Fox in the studio in Doha, pregame, halftime, and postgame. Where where was that player? Where or couldn't they just hire a former Dutch international to be on their set to talk about what goes on with the national team and what um, and what what you know Louis van Hall's tactics are? Has he been managed by Louis van Hall? Does he respect Louis van Hall's tactics? I mean, we don't you don't see that anywhere. Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. I mean, I, that's a very easy thing and a basic thing. ESPN would always, when they covered the World Cup, uh, get an outside expertise, outside opinion, and then obviously in the Euros, they've done it also. I mean, I have some bad news for the listeners. They may not realize this, but the next Euros, the next two Euros are on Fox. Uh, They took the rights away from ESPN. So, um, you know, this last last World Cup that was on Fox, the 18 World Cup, was kind of mitigated by the fact we had Euros in 16 and Euros in 20 on ESPN. So it felt like, okay, things, there was still some normalcy to it, but now everything has gone to Fox. I, I, I think, uh, obviously they've got the, the next women's world cup also. That'll be their third women's world cup, uh, in this FIFA contract. So that's, um, that I think is a big concern for, for a lot of listeners. I mean, uh, our, our colleague, Bob Williams of sport business, I saw the list of what they're going to have, Cardiff. They're going to have the 2024 Copa America. They've got the next Gold Cup in 2023 uh, in, uh, uh, in CONCACAF, as well as the Champions League in CONCACAF, as well yeah. as now, of course, the, uh, the new uh, linear rights deal to broadcast MLS regular season games uh, on Sunday nights now. Um, and what else? Uh, um I mean, like you said, two Euro Cup tournaments and the Women's World Cup that's coming in 2023. I mean, they're also probably going to be producing the Under-20 World Cup uh, that's coming up this uh, summer as well. I mean, there's a lot of competitions coming, uh, you know, even before and after the next World Cup comes along in the next four years. And even the uh, the FIFA Club World Cup will probably be on Fox Sports as well. It just, I I I I mean, do I don't have any faith in how Fox Sports is going to be producing these games, these tournaments, and I don't know if they're going to give the same respect that ESPN has been giving this World Cup, these these past tournaments for how long now? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I think that that's a very uh, that's a huge concern uh, in terms of, of what we see uh, with uh, 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 how Fox doesn't put the time in, the production uh, value in, and quite frankly, a lot of their commentators are not as well prepared as commentators were on ESPN when they covered all these events. And um, 
there seems to be also a, a disrespect of the uh, football soccer sophistication of the viewers, right? They, they, they don't. Uh, Fox does not make an effort to um, to really kind of uh, talk intelligently to a lot of the viewers. So I appreciate that there are a lot of casual viewers, and they do a good job, obviously, of engaging them. But they do nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing. And, and it got worse as the tournament went on to really engage uh, soccer savvy people um, in, in 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 a compelling way to the point where so many people are turning to Telemundo in Spanish, or they're waiting for the post uh, post match analysis that ESPN fires up on ESPN Plus. Uh, uh, for, for the ESPN FC program, because you're just not getting that on Fox. And so hopefully hopefully they'll learn from this, but I, I, it doesn't feel like they're learning uh, that they will learn from this. I think it's very possible this will continue to be a bugaboo as we go forward uh, in terms of uh, the reality of how they view um, the average soccer viewer in this uh, country, that they view them as a player, uh, as, as someone who is uh, only um, interested in certain kind of um, uh, sensational or uh, a, a patriotic storyline and have no interest in actually educating the viewer about the opposition. Uh, there was no conversation. In fact, I, 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 will, uh, I will reveal this. Someone very prominent in the soccer media uh, who, who I will not name, um, uh, 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 texted me the morning of the, uh, the Netherlands-U.S. game saying, uh, is there only one team playing? That's what it seems like from watching Fox. They didn't even tell, talk to you about the Netherlands. They didn't have any knowledge or, or interest in discussing the Netherlands in their studio. Now, I have to say, to the credit of Stu Holden and John Strong, the mass commentators, they clearly knew a lot about the Dutch. Uh, uh, Holden has covered uh, European football for many years, so he, he knows most of the Dutch players, knows them well, and he provided that insight. But we weren't getting that pregame in the studio. We didn't get any of it. No. No, we weren't, and that's the shame of it all. And it just goes to show you the lack of responsibility by Fox Sports when you're broadcasting a grand tournament like this tournament is that the entire world stops and watches religiously every single second, minute, hour, and match. I mean, without a doubt, Carter, this has been a complete failure by Fox Sports straight out of the gate. It really hurts. And when you know as well as I do that they're not going to be even thinking about the off-the-field stuff, basically – how Qatar got the World Cup, how they treated their migrant workers constructing their stadiums, the way that ESPN was talking about it. Of course, the Netflix um, uh, specials going on about the whole way that Qatar uh, illegally got this World Cup uh, during the Sepp Blatter era of running FIFA. It, It just goes to show you that I understand they're getting a ton of money from the Qataris. I understand you're going to be playing a lot of commercials of what's going on in Qatar. Come live there. Come work there. See their amazing little little nation. And that's fine and dandy. But if you're not going to address the real issues of the country and you're not going to you know, put your foot down and say, listen, we will cover the sport. And we will cover the tournament, but we're going to show and be honest, what are the things that we don't like about why Qatar is the way they are? They just, they just never showed it. They only cared about what's on the pitch and not what's off it. Yeah, they did the viewers a disservice. And in fact, went, went to great lengths to avoid those storylines, right? Really in, a, in, in an unacceptable manner. Um, so I, I just am very, very disappointed in how this thing went uh, in terms of, in terms of uh, uh, even the, the desire to, um, uh, to, 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 to engage with what were the, the actual topics on people's minds related to this World Cup. And the, the fact that the broadcasters in other countries did not make 
did not make those decisions. The BBC, ITV in the UK, they split the rights over there. Very, very active in terms of talking about this stuff. And then I, I would say uh, same thing when it came down to it with uh, TSN in Canada. Uh, and for me, the final straw was that there was very little coverage, very little conversation about their former colleague, Grant Wall, when he passed away. It was unbelievable. And that, that was because he had been exposing, he had been doing the reporting, he had been doing the exposing of the regime in, in, in Qatar. He was. He really, really was. Um, all I can say is, though, I mean, thankfully for Grant that, well, I'm not thankfully for Grant. I mean, look, I'm sad he's gone, and it's a shame that he did pass away. But what I meant is, thankfully, Graham's death was not linked to anything super mischievous involving the Qatari uh, government. After all, the uh, the ideas of, uh, look, I'll admit, I thought about it. I mean, I know you probably thought about it, that uh, the Qatari government uh, – might have found a way to silence Grant Wall on their own, but thankfully that's not what happened. Even though it's still a shame that Grant is no longer with us, that's for sure. But it wasn't done by that sort of way. Um, when you look at the studio hosts for pregame, halftime, and postgame, Rob Stone, Xilalas, Clint Dempsey, Marisa Du. And a couple of other uh, analysts that are from England, um, who I who at their names have slipped in my mind at the moment, and I'll get to that in in a few minutes or so. But when you when when you watched the studio shows, and like you said already, you know it, it's just a lot of fluff. How disappointed were yeah. you, especially? Especially, you know, look, I respect Rob Stone. I respect Alexi Lawless. I think they are knowledgeable. But sometimes I feel like they've been hampered by the production work from Fox. What is your take on this? Yeah. I, I think uh, Lawless is, is pretty well prepared and, and I think can, can talk through a lot of things. But, but it's, it's, the, it's the tone of the show. Um I mean, I'm not sure about Rob Stone. I don't think he's as uh, up on what's going on in the sport as he used to be. Uh, but, but yeah, he's a presentable host. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more of Ennio Luco. Uh, uh, we saw her, like, the second day of the tournament, and then uh, I saw her on uh, ITV pretty consistently Anytime I, I checked out British coverage after that. But she was not back on uh, – uh, unfortunately, she was not back on, on Fox. Uh, Kelly Smith is the other uh, other person you were thinking of, obviously – and um, in in her case, in the case of Kelly Smith, I think she was um, um, not particularly well prepared or, or or that knowledgeable either. Uh, Dempsey uh, clearly a lot, hadn't seen a lot of the teams play before, wasn't aware of some of the the, the players, even if they were top players in Europe. Uh, Donovan, um, I think it's his he, he, you know, same same sort of thing as Dempsey, maybe a little more knowledge. So. Uh, I, I was disappointed with him. I mean, I think Lawless is quite good, actually. I, I mean, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but um, you know, outside of Lawless, I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't particularly uh, enamored with that studio team. And again, I, I agree with you. I think Alexi, Alexi would have been better served in in in, in maybe a, another uh, another capacity um, with 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 with, a, with a, a better platform with that studio show. No, I agree. And here's the thing that really kind of irks me a little bit here, Cardick, and I'll tell you why. Every time a match ended, a, a, a match day ended on Fox, or at least a match ended on Fox, you had the opportunity to either go back to Fox or Fox Sports 1 to the studio show, or you went to Twitter and watched uh, Jimmy Conrad, Sasha Kleistian, Demarcus Beasley, or even or even Moadu, or even Landon, or even Lawless, whoever it was, giving match analysis while, you know, you should have gotten it from the studio hosts after each match. And, you know... 
And, and I like to think, I mean, look, I think Jimmy Conrad has done a very good job for himself, not just his time with uh, uh, Upper 90 uh, when he used to ho- – or Kick TV when he was uh, running Kick TV with MLS, uh, working for CBS Sports' Golasso uh, video podcast show on YouTube. Um, you know, he, he does a very good job, but, you know, w- what's the point? I mean, I mean, what's the point of having uh, guys on Twitter live after matches where maybe they're even better than the studio show is through the linear broadcasts with the studio hosts? Did that make sense to you? Because to me, I, I, I just it makes no sense to me. Why are you having two different sets of opinions when maybe Jimmy Conrad should have been with the broadcast uh, team through Fox linear instead of streaming or instead of Twitter. CBS has done that also a little bit with the Champions League, right? They've had um, the CBS Sports HQ desk with uh, with with different uh, um, uh, personalities, including Ian Joy, who you mentioned earlier, um, uh, versus the Champions League studio, uh, which has been hosted by Kate Abdo and had Jamie Carragher and Michael Richards, among others. But um, uh, it, it does uh, it does beg a question because I even remember uh, when Fox was doing uh, digital stuff uh, about, about many years ago when they had Champions League rights and uh, now we're into year four of CBS right and then we have Turner before that so feels like an eternity ago but uh, they used to have Rachel Benetta do some digital stuff which I thought was much better than the stuff they were doing in the studio uh, in the Champions League studio so I. I and, and I think Stu Holden joined her for some of that stuff uh, when he wasn't uh, calling games uh, with John Strong. So, I mean, I actually thought that, yeah, they, they've had they, – this has been the case for a long time with them where the digital stuff – some of the digital stuff Fox has done has been pretty strong uh, compared to the linear stuff, which is the opposite of what you would expect. Um, but I think that they have a certain expectation for linear broadcasting and what they want on the linear side, which is to appeal to really casual fans, whereas on the digital side, maybe they assume those are more hardcore fans. I guess so. And look, don't get me wrong. I, I felt that the uh, the streaming uh, post games were a lot better than the coverage on linear. So that's that's just my opinion, of course. Excuse me for one moment. All right. So let's go ahead to the broadcast uh, teams. Um, with Fox Sports. Obviously, as you said, the gold standard is John Strong and Stu Holden. Um, I mean, they had to do most of the work, not just broadcasting the matches, but giving the uh, the information that you should have been getting pregame from the studio hosts and not from them. But, you know, they did an excellent job, I thought, of calling the matches. Yeah, I agree. I thought Holden... I think Holden is is, is standout, and in fact, uh, if you think Holden's good with Fox when he's on BBC Five Live Radio, some of the other things that he's on, he's really you know those platforms are maybe even better for him. He's he's very good, very knowledgeable. Uh, John Strong did a good job uh, as always. So yeah, I don't have any issue with that with that uh, commentary team. I know some people do, but I, I think that those two are very good. But again, okay, so uh, the the studio. I complained about. I will tell you the commentary team of Strong and Holden ended up having to do a lot of the explaining and tactical discussions that you would have in a studio normally. So they actually had to do double duty, in my opinion. And you go back to that Netherlands-U.S. game, that was an example of it. Actually, there's several examples of it in the knockout stage. I mean, I remember uh, the match, uh, uh, the, ma- the match, uh, uh, there was another Strong-Holden uh, strong match that, that – uh, they ended up, there was no real discussion in the studio. Um, and then they, um, oh, it was the Netherlands and Argentina, round of eight, uh, quarterfinal. Same thing. It's like the first three or four minutes, they're giving like a preview of the match that would have been properly given in the studio. The analysts in the studio were better. And Holden is having to give a lot of analysis of the Dutch players and the Argentine players that was not given in the studio. And, and this was a common thing throughout the tournament. I'm just giving you a couple matches where it happened, but it basically happened in every match that those two guys called. So not only were uh, John Strong and Stu Holden really good, I think they were. They ended up having to do double duty. Yeah, 
They really had to, and, and to be honest with you, they really shouldn't have. But I thought they were the gold standard, and I thought they did an excellent job. Uh, the broadcast team of uh, Ian Dark and Landon Donovan. Look, I'm not, I never question Ian. He always does a professional job, whether it's with ESPN. Um, occasionally when you hear him through the international uh, uh, feed through NBC Sports' Premier League uh, coverage, uh, I, you know, him and Landon, I, I thought Landon, I, I thought he had, a, I would say, a B performance as an analyst. I, he's done it okay time to time. Uh, you know, nothing too earth-shattering, but I really thought Landon Donovan as an analyst, I thought he was really good. Not fantastic, but I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I, I think that there were uh, gaps in his knowledge, but he, uh, his, his tone is, uh, he, he, he's, uh, is pretty good, and, and Dark helped, uh, helped carry him through much of the tournament. So that was good. You know, Dark is a great guy to be paired with, a great professional um, been great, very, very strong on this historically. So that was a good guy for Donovan to be paired with. And John Harks is lucky that uh, uh, Ian Dark carried him through the USA Algeria victory when La- when Landon scored the big goal, of course. Because um, I know John Harks was fumbling through his words, trying to say something intelligent. He couldn't do it because I was probably like crying and, 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 and analyzing at the same time when they beat Algeria to get out of the group stage back in South Africa. So yeah, Ian Dark is the professional as always. Um, The next one, JP Delacamera and Kobe Jones. Uh, Look, those two have been together, you know, whenever Fox is, uh, you know, doing, competition football tournaments, especially in the Gold Cup, MLS games. Um, look, I feel JP is the gold standard, even though I think in this particular World Cup, I think he's been slipping a tiny bit. Not enough, not a lot, just a little bit here and there. But he still delivers a very good broadcast. Yeah, so where I would say JP has slipped is his knowledge. Um, I, I noticed that there were greater gaps in his knowledge uh, than there had been in the past. But um, the flip side is Kobe Jones. Uh, again, maybe Kobe Jones should have been in the studio because they were uh, Fox. Uh, uh, they were they were. It was pretty clear that that both uh, um, uh, um, Donovan and, and uh, Dempsey had limitations on what they actually knew and and and, and understood about the sport uh, in recent years. So I think it would have been really interesting if you had gotten. Uh, maybe Jones in the studio, but Jones really helped uh, JP through some of those rough spots. And in terms of just calling the match, JP is as good as it gets still, right? He doesn't miss a trick. It's just that maybe he doesn't know as much about some of these players as he used to. Um, and that's, that's really kind of the, uh, the, 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 the takeaway for me on that, on those two, on that team. And, of course, let's not forget, I I think these two have done a fabulous job calling matches back in the 2018 World Cup in Russia. And I think they did it again here in Qatar. And that's, of course, you know him, I know him, Derek Ray and Ali Wagner. Um, I I think, look, Derek is a consummate professional. I, I love how he calls a match, whether it be in the German Bundesliga coverage for ESPN or even during World Cup matches uh, on Fox Sports, even for ESPN as well. Uh, Derek and Ali, I thought they were sensational. Yeah, Ali Wagner is always elite. She's elite level at this. So uh, no surprise that she was good. And then Derek uh, is, to me, kind of as an overall uh, uh, European football announcer, the best in the business. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Um, And I say a new one, and she just got started calling Premier League matches uh, across, you know, in England. And that is, of course, uh, Jackie Oatley, who just got underway uh, calling Premier League matches. I've heard her a couple of times on NBC's coverage through the international feed. Um, I I think she does a very good job. She was paired with Warren Barton. Uh, and as much as I respect Warren uh, with his analysis, I-, I feel like at times it's just not enough. 
He lacks saying players' names. I mean, I think he analyzes plays excellent, does an excellent job of analyzing the plays on the pitch. I just feel like, and maybe you have the same idea that I do, he just doesn't look at the roster sheet to look at the name, to look at the number, to even look at the monitor to see who created that shot, who created that chance, what's the name of the goalkeeper. You don't get that from him. And I, I think that's the one or two moments that you know he really lacks of being an analyst. Now, I'm not saying it's terrible, but you know he's been more of a studio analyst than he is as a match analyst. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, 100%. I've made that same observation on the World Soccer Talk podcast, and I think Warren Barton, uh, he, he understands defensive tactics. He understands playing as a defender. He's really good at that, uh, at analyzing the match. However, he seems like he hasn't been prepared. I don't know if that's the fault of Fox's research team uh, or, or prep team, production team. Doesn't know the players' names. Doesn't know anything about the players, uh, where, where they may play their club football, unless uh, – uh, unless they've been in the Premier League, uh, it, it feels like, uh, and, and even that, he's kind of rusty on. Uh, he doesn't know much about the players. And, and uh, it's a shame because he was paired with Jackie Oatley, as you mentioned. And she's one of the emerging talents in, in, in broadcasting in Britain. As you said, she started calling some Premier League matches uh, last season. This is her second season uh, doing matches for the international feed. It was a longtime studio host on uh, ITV. So uh, really excellent to get her to add her to the, the world cup roster for Fox. I thought that was a great addition on Fox's part to give them credit uh, uh, for, for that. But um, I, I, David Neal and all, all the, uh, and Sh- uh, Shanks and all the people calling the shots at Fox in terms of uh, talent and uh, talent acquisition, but not the strongest pairing for her. Uh, Barton's got to be better prepared for the Euros. I, well, if, if he's a part of the Euro team, maybe they won't take him to the Euros. Yeah, I agree with you there, Cardick. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, Warren is going to be part of the Gold Cup tournament uh, broadcasting crew uh, for next summer. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Tom Rinaldi recently joining Fox Sports, of course, with their NFL coverage, uh, you know, covering, uh, you know, players in the NFL who are the subject of his um, important segments was brought over to cover the World Cup as well to give important interviews with American players, with all the players, I guess, um, even in England, and, uh, you know, to to have conversations, to spotlight those players. Um, I thought he was very good. What a typical roving spotlight reporter who gets the the nitty-gritty stuff gets done. And uh, I I really think, uh, you know... I, I really thought that Rinaldi actually did a very good job interviewing, uh, especially Christian Pulisic, um, and of course Greg Berhalter. Yeah, yeah, Rinaldi is, is a pro. I was uh, surprised that he had left ESPN to go to Fox. I, I think I wasn't aware of that until I saw Fox's press release on the World Cup. Um, I, I don't watch much. Uh, I don't watch the NFL at all. I, I, I guess I missed that. So uh, that was uh, that was a great addition to Fox's team, actually, from just a, a human interest and reporting standpoint. Yep, it really was. And um, like I said, I, I thought he did an excellent job out there, Rinaldi, and hopefully uh, they use him more again, uh, not just uh, for the World Cups, but hopefully – uh, with the next properties that they're going to be running, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, I look, I, I don't want to be negative all the time to our sports broadcasters, but it, it just to me, it just feels like Fox is just happy to have content. And just sometimes I feel like they just don't want to go the extra mile to really give out a proper production work to really highlight the sport. It's like they're afraid to outshine their NFL coverage or their baseball coverage. And the reality is it's not about outshining. It's about putting this sport at the same level production-wise as is what you're doing with the NFL, with Major League Baseball, 
with college sports, you just got to show a lot more respect than what you're doing. It's nice you're getting the ratings, but sometimes ratings are not enough if you want the respect from your viewers and from the pundits that does cover how they broadcast these games like Barrett Sports Media and, of course, like uh, yourself and, uh, and the gaffer, Christopher Harris, at World Soccer Talk, including myself, too. Yeah, I mean, they just, they, they just have to, to, to be much more uh, respectful of, of, of what the audience might want, and I don't think they're doing that appropriately. No, no, they're not. And and I think... Well, sorry, I was going to say they assume uh, viewers need to be re-educated about the sport when they do these tournaments, when a good chunk of the people who are watching have watched multiple World Cups, multiple European Championships, multiple Gold Cups, multiple um, uh, Copa Americas. So I, I don't know why they go through this exercise every time. No, I, I don't understand it either, and it's really uh, disheartening to see how uh, how they're treating their soccer properties. I mean, look, ESPN balked from MLS coverage. Uh, we all know Univision balked on MLS coverage. They're only worrying about uh, League's Cup. Uh, that'll be for another show. Is I think you know how I feel about League's Cup, and I know you probably feel the same way, but that'll be for a different show. Um, Fox, with Fox now, the majority national broadcaster through linear television, do you think they need to do to really ramp up their coverage here and to at least show that, okay, you want to show the games? That's fine. But now I think it's time for them to really ratchet up uh, a pregame show a highlight show, a post-game show. I, I mean, look, they're the only game in town now for MLS. I think it's time yeah. for Fox Sports to finally start growing up. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that now they have to do the things that ESPN did to, keep, to, 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 to give uh, some sort of uh, – professional exposure to the league. They're going to need some bumper programs, some digital programs, like like the Football Americas program that Sevi and, and, and her composed in the last few years. They're going to need stuff like that now that they're the sole MLS linear broadcaster. I don't think we'll see it, but I'm suggesting that they need to do those things. Mm, I agree. So now this begs the question because we've seen through social media Many people want someone else to cover the World Cup. Many people, for 2026, I should say, many, many people are already screaming for Fox to lose the rights or to be bought out of the rights of hosting the next World Cup in 2026. We all know that's not going to happen. We all know for them it's a ratings booster no matter what. But just for the hell of it and just for the sake of conversation, we all know ESPN is not going to probably take it, even though they probably would. But for now, they're not in the equation. Who do you think would do a better job covering the World Cup, not ESPN? And I'm not saying I don't want them. We all know the job they'll do. But would you consider CBS? Would you consider NBC? Would you give them that opportunity, English language? to cover yeah, the World CBS Cup is, um, itself. Yeah, CBS's production level and, and, and their ability, like the thing that I really admire about CBS, and this is actually a different approach than ESPN, CBS speaks to each of their audiences differently. So the way they cover women's football, women's soccer, is completely different than the way they cover CONCACAF, um, uh, which is completely different than the, than the way they cover Champions League, which is completely different than the way they cover Serie A. So um, they speak to each of their individual audiences. Like, in fact, there's, there's not that much mixing of talent. The people who call Champions League don't call. They're, they're not part of the Serie A team. Um, and the presentation is done differently. Uh, in, the Serie A team includes, uh, you know, Mike Rella, right? They've got guys who know Serie A really well, uh, who former uh, – obviously you covered him with the Red Bulls. 
Uh, he's not on Champions League broadcast. He's not on CONCACAF broadcast. There's some uh, cross-mixing, but not much. They do such a good job. So I think they would have maybe a, a keener sense and a keener understanding when they brought all those, bring all of those elements together and have to cover the entire, uh, the entire picture in, uh, um, in, 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 in a World Cup. They may do the best job. NBC, obviously a lot of experience covering international events. Telemundo is NBC. Let's not forget that. That's why the graphics look exactly the same as NBC's Premier League coverage, Telemundo's coverage of the World Cup. So um, they, 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 they have that experience from Telemundo. The thing I con- that concerns me about NBC is I think, I, I, and, I, and I've complained about this uh, repeatedly, if, if, if you've listened to me on, on World Soccer Talk, that NBC tends to, when they cover the Premier League, it's like they don't know what goes on in other European leagues. So if a guy comes into the Premier League from the Bundesliga or from La Liga, they, they don't even know about the guy. Right, so they, if they covered the World Cup, they would have to get better with that. So my preference would be CBS. I think they have a broader uh, perspective on uh, on global leagues than, and I'm not, certainly I would prefer NBC to Fox. Don't get me wrong. Okay, so I, I'm not saying that I, I don't. I, I, if it's between them and Fox, I would prefer NBC broadcasted. But um, CBS, uh, I think, would be my first choice. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. Um, but what I think with NBC. While I do agree that you're mostly having a uh, English England centric, you know, group, whether it be you know the two Robbies, Robbie Earl, Robbie Musto, Tim Howard, uh, Danny Higginbottom, whenever he fills in, I, I, and Rebecca Lowe. Look, I think they do an awesome job. But the truth of the matter is that they only care about one thing and one thing only: the Premier League and English football. That's the truth. But yeah. I do believe that if NBC ever did win World Cup rights English language, I would believe they would do the same thing that ESPN has done, and they would get proper analysts to cover those teams uh, that they represent in those countries. So I really believe that's the situation in front of us. I think NBC would do their due diligence to hire the proper people to come and join in the, uh, the broadcasts and the studio hosts would have a much better job of analyzing before the games, halftime and after the games are over prepared and get ready for the next match in these World Cups. I think they would do a much better job in hiring the talent for the World Cup than what Fox has done. I'm not saying you can't have uh, a, you know, a, an abundance of American analysts you know, at, your, at your feet, but still though, I mean, it would be nice. It would be nice if you had someone representing those countries who qualified for the World Cup to be on your set as well. Just because they work for somebody else, that doesn't mean that you can't bring them over. Yep. No, absolutely. And I think NBC, look, my complaint is that, again, when guys transfer into uh, to, uh, the Premier League, even when they do their transfer special, they'll do one on January 31st, right? They, 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 they don't seem aware if, if these guys came from the Bundesliga or, or La Liga or, or Serie A, uh, they don't know the players very well. They should be studying the other leagues in Europe. But you're right. They would hire the right people if they have the World Cup. They would hire someone who knows Serie A. They would know, hire someone who knows Bundesliga, right? They wouldn't just be all the, the same Premier League-centric uh, cast that they have. So, yeah, I, I think their presentation will probably be very good. We know how, how good they are at covering the Olympics and other international events, uh, Tour de France, uh, Open Championship uh, 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 in uh, in golf, uh, U.S. Open in golf, and obviously Premier League. So uh, it, it's a standard much higher than Fox, and uh, I would expect them to, uh, to 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 raise that their level even further if they got the World Cup rights. Which, by the way, uh, I don't know uh, if our listeners are aware of this, but NBC was actually the high bidder for um, the World Cup rights several years ago, and Chuck Blazer intervened with FIFA to keep the rights with ESPN because he said NBC had not um, shown sufficient interest in the domestic game. And that's when uh, Soccer United Marketing actually bought the rights and sold them to ESPN. And you know what? Um, that's true at the time probably. And uh, 
But then again, NBC did bring over MLS for three years, and I thought that was the best. I, th- I yep. thought NBC did an excellent job covering Major League Soccer, and I'll be honest with you. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I really feel that if, if MLS ever went back to NBC, just, just, just be grateful that they're taking you in. Just be grateful. Yeah. You'll probably be on well, USA Network. Well, MLS, unfortunately, unfortunately uh, Daniel, I mean, the reality of the situation is MLS isn't going anywhere uh, to any of these places anytime soon because uh, uh, this is a conversation for another show. But uh, the uh, – there has been, and you, and I want to give you credit because you're the one who's actually uh, beat the drum the most about this before I was even focused on it. And now I've just heard from a number of people in the last few weeks that there's a, there, there's a pretty significant backlash growing within the soccer community for the commentators that are being displaced, the production teams that are being displaced, uh, the sort of approach of the MLS uh, Apple deal. And uh, it's having a far greater, it might be a bit of good monetary decision for MLS, but it's a, it's upsetting the apple cart a little too much in our close-knit soccer, soccer community, what's happening to some of the, uh, the talent and the, and the production teams, and even uh, local broadcasters in terms of uh, regional sports networks and, uh, and uh, linear channels in local markets that had dedicated a lot of time and effort in promoting local MLS teams. I, I'm hearing some very uh, negative things the last few weeks. So I, I want to thank you for being the first person to bring uh, attention to that. And uh, we'll just say that uh, uh, MLS has a big challenge. You know, they're, they're going to have to heal a lot of uh, uh, wounds. I mean, time heals most wounds, but uh, the talk of MLS going to another broadcaster now, I think is completely out of the uh, uh, um, realm of possibilities at this point. I just don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, they've signed themselves over to Apple and this is uh this is where they're at, and they're going to pay the consequences one way or another for it, right? I mean, they're, or, or, or benefits from it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be something good. It's going to be something bad. And the only people who are only going to know are uh, the um, the subscribers and Commissioner Don Garber. I mean, let's be honest. This is a uh, – one day it was bound to be like this, you know, somewhere in the future, whether it's – next year or five or 10 years down the road. Um, I, I feel like the streaming departments are coming a little too fast. And I don't think everyone is completely ready for it, but look, this is what it is. And uh, we're just going to have to get, get right to embrace the future of sports broadcasting, uh, whether we like it or not. Um, I want to make this comparison to you. And, you know, look, I think Maurice Adu is very knowledgeable about the sport. I, I think he does a very good job of analyzing games as well as being a studio host. Do you feel Moadu, because he does work for both CBS and for Fox, do you feel Moadu is more sane with CBS and a little more nuttier yes. with Fox, depending yes. on how he yes. analyzes yes. Yes. games? Yes, and this is something that I've talked about with previous talent, too. Uh, guys that have been better when they're on ESPN or CBS than they're on Fox, the same guys. And, in fact, as, as much as we praise Stu Holden tonight, I will tell you I think he was better with Turner than he is with Fox. He was He's better on BBC Five Live than he was with Fox. You know, I saw how much uh, – how much better Brian McBride, who's now, of course, the general manager of the U.S. soccer men's program, so not in broadcasting, how much better he got. When he was on Fox, I thought he was terrible. It's like, you know, legend, playing legend, but he just doesn't, he just doesn't have it as a commentator. He went over to ESPN uh, for several years. It's like, wow, McBride, he's, he's really good. I think it's about the press. It's about the, the way the production's done, and it's about the tone the broadcaster sets. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there, Cardick, and hopefully uh, we'll see what happens now uh, when we get to the 2023 calendar year. But once again, Cardick, you know, you've been all over the map, and of course, I'm grateful that you're always available to come on the show. I really am um, thankful that you are available to come on the show anytime you're able to. Uh, Thank you for helping me out for tonight's show, and I will talk to you in the new year. Happy holidays to you and your family, and see you in the brand new year. Great. Thank, thank you, Daniel, and same to you. Same to your family and to everybody out there. Happy New Year. Thank you very much.
All right, YouTube card. Thank you very much. That's Carter Krishnan from World Soccer Talk as we reviewed Fox Sports coverage of this 2022 FIFA World Cup. Uh, let's quickly get this man on, 646-724. Yes, if you have an opinion, go ahead, please. I have more than just an opinion. I'd like to say that the both of you are right, two of my favorite people, uh, yourself and Kartrick, when it comes to soccer broadcast uh, for the major networks. Um, I agree with basically everything that has been said by, by both of you. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I felt that the entire production from start to finish was not only rushed, but handcuffed. Um, the talent, while there, was lacking. Um, the big story is, is really what is not exactly what was said on and off during the broadcasts, but what, was, what wasn't said um, uh, during the broadcast. And I think it has a lot to do with the people who are running it, um, from folks that I have spoken to, um, the Qatari government was pretty ham-fisted in how they want the direction for the uh, the, the broadcast to go. Um, the thing, you know, which which a lot of folks were jumping all over, um, you know, all over, you know, all over Alexi Lalas, like he was supposed to actually become a, what I like to refer to as a dissenter-in-chief uh, about the whole affair, being that he was so, you know, so out of, you know, so out of skin and out of, you know, out of um, script when he was with ESPN that he decided to take his talents to Fox where he thought that he can be more engaged, where he can be more um, outspoken, where he can be literally stand in front. And fortunately, once he got to Qatar, he found out real fast that when, when money is in the conversation and money basically is in the, um, you know, in that particular person, you, you find out very quickly who your bosses are. And they, I'm sure someone higher up told Alexi to shut it <laughs> and don't, you know, go off script as you did with the other network. So I'm seeing this complaints um, that he was complicit. You know, I don't know Alexi too well, but I do know his style. And he's about as off, off the cuff as they come. So for someone to, t to tell him to shut up, that pretty much speaks values who pretty much was in charge. You agree? Yes, I do, Gary Redman. I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, I've watched the entire broadcast from start to finish, and all along I just kept saying, damn, they managed to, somebody managed to do something that nobody else could. Shut up, Lexi Lawless. And I, yep. you know, I... I, I you know I, I hear all the you know the harping you know the carping and the complaints um, from many folks who were expecting controversy. They was expecting no, you weren't going to get that. I'm sorry. Um, not all the money that has been advertised, and even some of the money that you didn't know that went on, uh, of course, for you know, Qatar to even get these games in the first place. I'll make you a bet, Dan. Four years from now, you're going to see a much different broadcast because it's on home soil. No restrictions. Nobody watching over your, you know, your back. No one telling you to shut up. Everyone is going to be themselves. Um, the only question becomes is, okay, what about the talent? What about the, the broadcasting talent? Are we going to get people who cannot do it to talk down these folks trying to sell the game to casuals where it's the World Cup. You don't need to sell anything to casuals. Just know what you're talking about and put people in the booth who's been there, who's been through the qualifying, who's been through the, you know, um, who knows the players, you know, from different worlds. And tap into that, um, you know, tap into that resources from Fox News. The reason why ESPN was running and NBC was running circles around these guys because they have a very strong news unit, as you know. Um, ABC, very strong news unit. So they can be able to tap into their correspondence and talk about the politics and everything else outside of the World Cup. Fox, 
Well, they're just opinionated guys. You don't have reporters. You don't have correspondents. You don't have, um, unless you want to borrow somebody, you know, borrow a couple of guys from Britain, from their, you know, from their Sky News department, who is, you know, somewhat, but uh, uh, someone affiliated with them in part. But I'm sure they didn't want to get involved. So it it pretty much shows the quality or the depth of quality that they have within the network. I'm willing to bet CBS, they got their news network, NBC, they got their news network, ABC, you know damn well they have a very strong news network. That's why they were able to tap into those correspondents and tell the stories behind the stories that gets folks like you and me very interested in the games indeed. Very true. Very true, Gary. And uh, that's the one thing that we'll be very grateful for. They're going to be back to normal in four years' time. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a New York Red Bull supporter and you want to get some great news, uh, not just from myself, but my uh, Red Bull News Network partner, Gary Redman, you can also listen to him doing the New York Red Bulls Discussion Group podcast that you can watch with Carlos Cano on YouTube or join the Facebook group whenever you can. Uh, Gary, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Always. I'll talk to you when I sign off. <laughs> Take care, man. You too. Take care. And once again, uh, thanks to Gary Redman uh, for calling in. And I also want to thank Carter Krishnire from World Soccer Talk joining in as well. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. One more show this coming Monday night. It will be a short one, but uh, one thing is for sure. Uh, you will always get solid information and solid coverage of the game in America, not just on the pitch, off the pitch, and in the broadcast booth. Once again, my name is Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.